What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. On today's show, I chat with Stephanie Nelson, who is an anxiety freedom coach. So obviously, we talked a lot about anxiety, how it's an essential and a useful response, but it can become chronic and overactive. Sounds a lot like pain, right? And we talked a lot about the relationship between nutrition and anxiety. So she shared and confirmed um, all of my biases, which is just always nice for people to do that. So maybe I should have some people that don't confirm my biases as much. But anyways, Stephanie shared her story of what led her to become an anxiety freedom coach. And we talked about what it means to overcome anxiety holistically. So enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce Stephanie Nelson, Anxiety Freedom Coach. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Very excited to learn more about you. Before we get into your story, your background, can you tell me a little bit more about what it means to be an Anxiety Freedom Coach? Yeah, so... The reason why I use the word freedom is because anxiety makes you feel so trapped. So an anxiety freedom coach, what it means to me is helping you, helping free you from that anxiety. So it's no longer, you're no longer feeling trapped by it because that's how I felt. So that's what I was going to ask is like, what, what does it feel like to be anxious? Because I, I know I don't know if there's anyone I know that has never felt anxious. Right. Right. Yeah. So anxiety is a a very normal and needed and necessary emotion and feeling when it becomes a problem is when it becomes overactive. So when you're experiencing chronic anxiety or like an anxiety disorder. So when you're experiencing those things, you might experience anxiety like symptoms. So racing heart, sweating, um, loss of appetite, stomach problems, headache, um, memory loss, not being able to think um, clearly, um, flushed. These are kind of like all the physical symptoms, like you're feeling flushed in your face um, for no reason, for no apparent reason. Whereas when you're feeling, when you're feeling and experiencing like normal anxiety would be if somebody breaks in front of you really hard and you have to, that instinct to break, and then you feel that heightened level of anxiety awareness around you, which is, we have that innate in our system to protect us. So, you know, long ago when we were having to survive and run away from tigers, we needed that to be able to survive. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't be here today. So in a normal person that would then shut off and you would go back into the rest and digest part of your nervous system. When someone who has chronic anxiety, that just kind of stays on all the time. So your nervous system is out of balance. It's very similar to pain. It's like this protective response. It's very necessary. Like we don't want to get rid of it, but it can be quote unquote, like overactive or just not useful, especially dealing with chronic pain. Like there's no technical reason. There's no threat and people are still feeling anxiety and it's still sticking around. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always interesting to look at the, the connection between pain and anxiety, people that experience higher levels of anxiety and stress and like psychological disorders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can, we can definitely, I could talk more about this too. Do you want me to keep going on Go this? Go for it. Dive in. Yeah. So with like, with the chronic anxiety, it's, it's a learned, it becomes like a learned response. So our brains and our neural pathways will start to connect in a way that things around us start to trigger us. And we're not really sure why. And sometimes we might know why, but it's been a response that we've experienced for so long, kind of just like the pain that we don't, like, we don't know how to kind of backtrack from that. And it's just part of our everyday life. So how does that happen? Like, are certain people more susceptible to experiencing chronic anxiety and like what is the process like of going from you know having anxiety when someone breaks in front of you to having anxiety all of the time so this is you know I'm not giving any mental health advice I'm not a doctor things I got to make sure I say that but in my experience there are definitely there's definitely a genetic component to it so people who are more likely to have anxious anxiousness, like overly anxious. Um, there are some people who have like no anxiety at all. Um, it's just how they're wired, but some people are not wired that way. Um, there are so many different things that can contribute to it. There are like 15 major root causes of anxiety. A lot of it stems from trauma. 15? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of it stems from trauma. Um, it stems from a lot of our a lot of our daily habits. So if we're, if we're not eating properly, like our food, especially here in the United States is just crap. And people don't realize the poison, like most of what's in these packaged foods and fast foods, they're illegal in other countries. Like they're banned to be put in food. And some of that is because it causes negative effects to your brain, thus your mental health. And not only that, but your gut and all these things. So, you know, chronic use of that, there's toxins and all this stuff can be passed down generationally too. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but they've done tests on umbilical cords and we know that babies are being born on average with about, what is it like 200 neural toxins? Like that affects your development. And that's because of the environments, because of the products that we're using, it's because of the food. And then there's trauma that just gets passed down generationally. So there's so many different things, um, but those are just some of them. So it doesn't usually happen overnight. Some people say that they're born with anxiety. And to me, that screams that screams generational trauma, that screams toxins, um, that screams habits and things that they learned from the people around them. Um, does that kind of answer your question? <laughs> I can go, I can kind of go all over the place. We should move to Europe is what you're saying. We should move somewhere else. Where should we move to where we have less poisonous foods? Give me a reason. To go. You know, you can definitely have less poisonous foods here in the United States. And there are a lot of benefits obviously from living here, but people who have gluten sensitivities, they can go to Europe and have gluten and have no issues. Same with the dairy. People who have um, dairy intolerances, they can go over there and eat dairy just because of the way that it's processed. The wheat is processed and the dairy is processed here versus there. So tell me more about your story, your journey. What led you to being an anxiety freedom coach? Yeah. So I'm trying to, where do I want to start? So I, at one point, found myself in the deep dark pits of anxiety. So that anxiety I'm talking about, the overactive stress response, the the anxiety I would classify as an anxiety disorder. Um, I would literally go to the pool and then be overcome with anxiety. I felt like I was going to pass out, like going to have a panic attack. All that was constant. And I never knew when it was going to happen. 
Then there happened one night or a couple nights I couldn't sleep and I actually had a full blown panic attack. I didn't know that's what was happening at the time. Went to the emergency room. And this story is very common among people who have anxiety. They're constantly rushing to the emergency room because they feel like they're having a heart attack. Um, they were just like, oh, you have anxiety. Here's a prescription and a list of primary care physicians. And you know, sent me on my way. And I was like, okay, cool. But at least I knew what I was dealing with. And even at that time, I was already kind of in the holistic world and I wasn't on any medications and I did not want to be on medications. So I didn't really get on them and things didn't get better. So I eventually went on medications because I felt like there was no other choice for me at that time. Like it was affecting my work. It was affecting my relationships. Um, because sometimes like I wouldn't be able to sleep until the early morning hours. And then, um, yeah, it just wasn't, it just wasn't good. So then I went on my journey to figure out, okay, what's really going on here? Like why, like this is happening for a reason. And I've always been the type of person who, if I wanted to do something like I could do it, the, the feeling that I was trapped, couldn't even go to the pool or stand in the grocery line without feeling like, or not knowing if I was going to have a panic attack was unreal to me. Like, I was like, I can't, like, <laughs> I gotta figure out what's going on here. Yeah. And so I reached out to my best holistic minded person that I knew of. And that's kind of where my journey started. Um, so I started implementing all these like little holistic practices that were supposed to bring my body back into balance. Um, eventually I did find my way out. And part of that was going through my certification process. So backtrack a little bit, I actually have a Bachelor of Science in Forensic Science, and I did that for a little while. But I had always had a passion for health and wellness, but it was more of just like a, a hobby than like, oh, this is going to be a career thing. So there came a point where pursuing forensics or something with that was not something that I could do. I was like, this, this is stressful. I'm not passionate about it. And I know how that affects my health. So an opportunity came about for me to become a certified transformational nutrition coach through the Institute of Transformational Nutrition. It was an online program and encompassed all up-to-date um, physical nutrition, which includes um, genetics, um, epigenetics, nutrition, all that type of stuff plus the psych psychological aspect of health and the spiritual aspect of health, which I didn't realize was a thing, which most people don't. So I went through that and I even worked with a functional medicine doctor and some of that helped, helped bring my body back into balance, but I was still experiencing random anxiety attacks. And it wasn't until I kind of went through this program and really started implementing some of the practices that I was being taught that I would then help my clients implement that things really started to shift. And I started experiencing, I stopped experiencing overactive anxiety responses and chronic anxiety for no reason. So on this journey, it became apparent to me and it blew my mind how common it was for people to suffer from anxiety their entire lives and not know that there was something else that they could be doing to help themselves manage or overcome. Most people go on medications very early on, some not. Sometimes it's something that happens like in the later in life, but that's all they know because that's all they're being told by the medical system, by um, psychiatrists or therapists, that that's their only way and there's really nothing that can be done. It's just kind of that's who they are now. And it infuriated me because I'm like, no, like there are so many things that contribute to this. And I already had that, that burning like kind of hatred towards <laughs> a lot of the medical practices um, just because they ignore a lot of very obvious things when it comes to health. Um, so this kind of drove it even more. And that's how I decided to pick my niche of health coaching with anxiety because I had it, I was able to overcome it. And there's so many people who need to hear what I have to say. Even if you don't work with me, like you can follow my stuff and learn so much. People do, they'll message me and say, hey, I saw your reel or I saw your post and I started doing this and it helped my anxiety so much. Awesome. I love that. 
Um, because sometimes it can start with one little thing and then it just snowballs. But if you can kind of catch it early with some of these things, it might not get to that point. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of my story. So it was you experiencing it yourself being like dissatisfied with the treatment that mm -hmm. presented to you. And then you, you being like, no, there has to be another way. Yep. And that's, yeah, I feel like if you talk to anybody in the health and wellness field, that's, that's the underlying theme of their story and how they became, because they weren't getting better. I don't, I don't know if I've ever talked to anybody that's gotten better by taking more medications. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So more, you said you had this, what is it, burning hatred towards medical practices, like where, and you had that before this journey, like where did that start? Where did that come from? I think just the more I started to learn about nutrition, the more I started to learn on my own about the pharmaceutical industry, how med medical students don't have to have any nutrition training. They're not in the business of health. And I see so many people getting sicker and sicker when they could be doing things a different way that's been proven for years and they're just not because they're being misled by the conventional medicine system. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that we have that, but it shouldn't be our first option. Or the only option. Exactly. Or the only option. Right. Yeah. So when you say like, the holistic mindset when you were against medication, it stemmed from this. Yeah. And I think I have a healthy, I had a healthy level of fear of what those medications could potentially do to me. Um, the negative side effects. Yeah. You know, when you see a commercial on TV for these medications, it's like, and then all these side effects and death. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like, why would I want to put myself through that. And I'm like, I think I've thought about it. Like, like I had my grandparents who I'm trying to think they both passed away from, or they both had issues like health issues that could have been helped with proper nutritional care, but you just don't, obviously I didn't know that at the time. So I don't know if that's kind of like an underlying, I'm always thinking about like, what's the underlying thing here? Why do I believe this? Um, I don't know if that's part to do with it, but I think for me, it's like, I just want to be my healthiest self. And I know, I know that that's not going to be by just going through the conventional medicine system. Yeah. I like what you said. Like, I feel like I'm always trying to figure out like what led me this person what led us to have these biases and this like mm -hmm. skepticism, this like mm -hmm. underlying foundational belief that like what was conventional and traditional was wrong mm -hmm. to like make a search for for something else and like find the other way mm -hmm. so you mentioned the spiritual aspect of health and you said mm -hmm. you didn't know what that meant a lot of people don't know what that means mm -hmm. tell us what that means yeah. So I actually had a conversation with a client today about it. And when I asked her, okay, what does, what does spiritual health mean to you? And she said, um, actually higher than what I think the average person would say, but she said, it's a belief in a higher power. A lot of people think that when you say spiritual health, they mean religion. That is correct, but it's, one part of it. So religion can be a part of spiritual health. A belief in a higher power is a part of spiritual health. That would be considered, so belief in a higher power is considered at the Institute of Transformational Nutrition, where I got my certification from, is environmental spirituality. So it's belief in the universe, God, um, the environment, your connection with nature. Then there's also spiritual um, community. So who do you have around you? So what's, what, 
what are your relationships? Do you have relationships and connection with others? So it's really connection with others. So that can be religion. Religion can go in there. Spiritual community um, can fall into that category. And then the one that I see lacking the most with my clients is personal spirituality. So that's the connection with the self. So your confidence, your self-esteem, do you value yourself? Um, all of those things, so self-care, so self-love, all of those things would fall into that category. And that's the category that I see lacking the most with my clients specifically. Why do you feel like that is? Like, why do you, do you only work with women? Usually. Yes. Okay, mostly women. Why mm -hmm. is it that, I mean, people in general struggle with self-care, self-love the most? Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's a societal thing. Um, we've been, especially women have been taught that we must put everybody else first and that by doing anything for ourselves, especially putting it above anything or anybody else is selfish. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times we are trained to be perfectionists. So we don't believe that anything that we do is enough, good enough, that we're enough. Um, oftentimes we're told to be quiet as kids and be good little girls. And then we don't feel heard. So we're lacking in that. We don't value ourselves. We don't value our voice. So there are a lot of things that can play into that. Um, those are some of the things that I have seen um, with my clients and even like with myself, because, you know, this is, these are some of the things that I wasn't even aware of until I went through this program. How much does that like feeling of never being enough or doing enough, how much does that play into experiencing chronic anxiety? I think it depends on the person, but it can play a significant role because when we have this, this belief that we aren't enough or that we don't do enough, we're always trying to do more or be strive to be more perfect. So that can lead to burnout, um, doing things that don't bring us joy just to please other people. Um, we're not, we're not in tune with what's true for us, what we value and the connections and like genuine connections and with other people and with ourselves because we don't even know what we like. We don't even know what we value because we're just doing what we've been told and not what's really true for us. Is that, if that makes sense? Yeah. That's what I was So it increases anxiety. Is like how, like, I feel like so many people have jobs, have careers that they don't, they aren't fulfilling. They aren't passionate about, they don't bring them joy or that. I mean, they chronically stress them out. Like how much does that play a role in having anxiety? A big role. Yeah. Like most, I'll say most, a lot of my clients are in high stress jobs that they don't like. Um, or they are in high stress jobs maybe that they do like, but it's just very stressful and a lot of work and they don't have they don't say no enough to things and they're also moms. So yeah. they have like, there's, they're trying to balance a lot of things and it goes back to sometimes not doing the things that they need to do to take care of themselves first so that they have the energy and the health to do this, these things that they do really love and care about. So then what do we do about those people? Like, do they need to quit their jobs? So this is, I would love for people to just quit their job if they hate it. Everyone just start quitting your jobs. If you're right. like, let's quit your job. If you love it, then you can keep it. Yeah. But usually that's not realistic. So some of the things that I've helped my clients and supported them in is asking their employer to take some of their responsibilities away. So sometimes they're just afraid to ask and their employer would have no problem with it, but they just, for, they just don't ask. So doing things like that. Um, changing like your mindset around your work. So I don't know who said it, where, or when, but your stress is a, is what your mind is perceiving hmm. as stress. So if that makes sense. So stress is really only, things are only stressful because we're making them stressful. So changing mindset is one thing. 
Another thing is adding in like stress relieving practices throughout the day. Um, a lot of that can stem from uh, a lack of a morning routine because what we do the first hour of the day is going to set the tone for the rest of the day. So if you're starting your day like on social media, taking in everybody's negative energy, um, not doing those self-love, self-care practices of journaling or meditating or um, yoga or working out or you know making a healthy breakfast, then your day is going, you're going to have less of a buffer to deal with your daily stressors. So that's one thing. Um, another thing is that when this is, I see this with all of my clients is their adrenals are out of balance. When your adrenals are out of balance, you can't handle stress. So we work to bring the adrenals back into balance and then that can help you deal with stress better. Um, so those are just kind of some of the things that, um, I have helped my clients do in with those who are in those high stress jobs. So I feel like a lot, a few people that have been on the podcast, like we've talked about this and I've talked about it with some clients, but I want to know your thoughts of like telling yourself, I am stressed, telling yourself I am anxious and I have anxiety. Is that counterproductive? Like, how do we need, yes. to, we need to separate ourselves from these labels, from these diagnoses? Diagnoses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because whatever we think, whatever we say creates our reality. So if we're constantly saying, whether we say it out loud or if it's something that's always running in our heads, we don't realize it. Like, oh, I'm always anxious or, oh, I can't sleep. Oh, I'm so worried that I'm going to be so anxious that I can't sleep at night all of those things, you're, you're just putting it out there that that is what is going to be your reality. I don't think that was the right sentence, but, um, <laughs> um, so, and some people do affirmations. The key, I want to put this out here because sometimes people don't do this correctly. When you do an affirmation, so when you're trying to correct a thought, which is what part of usually what I'm doing with my clients is don't use a negative in there. So, and don't use a word that you don't want. So if you, right, don't do that because your brain is going to not see the not mm -hmm. and it's going to read it. I am anxious. <laughs> Great. I'm anxious. Yeah. That's what, yeah. So our brains, our brains do, it'll take out the negative. So saying something like I am peaceful mm -hmm. or I am relaxed, that's going to resonate more with our minds than still using the word anxious and just adding in a negative there. I'm so glad you brought up affirmations. So we were talking about reels before this mm -hmm. and there's a real audio that's like, wait, I don't have to be stressed. This is my brain. And it's like, I don't know. It's a funny reel. Mm -hmm. and it was like Christmas Eve or the day before that. I was like thinking about how stressed I was. And I was like, why, why am I stressed about having to pack and drive to my parents' house? It was like, the more I tell myself I'm stressed, the more I get stressed. And I was like, mm -hmm. stressed about this. And I just had the thought of like, how often are we stressed and are we anxious? And we actually have way more control over that. And so I started thinking about like, I am calm, like blah, blah, blah. All these mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you brought that up. How can someone start, definitely not asking for myself here, how can someone start <laughs> to introduce affirmations to their daily routine? What, what does that look like? So it can look like a couple of different things. So I like to have, like teach my clients how to do it on the spot. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just becoming aware of your thoughts. So that's taking the time when you're feeling stressed and you might have to put a note up to help remind yourself to think about it and write down whatever it is that thought is. What is, what is that negative thought running through your mind? And then just changing it to what you do want. So this is a Gabby Berenstein. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a pretty famous spiritual guru. I have um, written down and I don't know why, but now I know why. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. She's, I like, um, I like a lot of her practices. So something that's, this isn't exactly her practice, but it's taken from it. 
is when you have that thought that is a negative, so it's not serving you, it's not what you actually want. So if you're, if you're thinking, I am anxious, say, that's what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Her practice is writing that down and then next to it saying, thank you for showing me what I don't want to make room for what I do want. Mm-hmm. And then the next step in that is to write down basically what it is that you want to experience, what you want to feel. So it would be, you know, I am peaceful or I am relaxed, say, for an example, and using that and saying that over and over again. So that's like one way that you can do it. I think I feel like that's one of the best ways to do it because it it gets you to become aware of your day-to-day thoughts and the ones that are on repeat in your mind that are causing you the most harm and you can stop them, start to stop them in their tracks. Um, another way to do that, and I've done both and I do both is to figure out, you know, you know, if it's anxiety, obviously usually it is, but if you have something deeper going on, like if you know that you're anxious because you feel like you're not good enough. Um, another person that I love, and I don't know if you're familiar with her, but it's Louise Hay. Oh, a book. Love that. Right. Mm-hmm. You can heal your life. Yes. Um, if you were to Google or YouTube positive Louise Hay positive affirmations for anxiety, you would find like probably a million YouTube videos that you can watch and then start to say those. Um, what's really powerful is to say those in a mirror. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for a lot of people to say these things in a mirror. Um, and one piece of advice that I'll give is that say them even though you don't necessarily feel it because you won't feel it at first. You kind of have to convince yourself that this is what you want. Mm-hmm. So your body, your, your physiology, your biochemistry is used to a certain feeling. So when you kind of go the opposite of that, it's like, wait, I don't, I don't, my, your body won't believe you. So one of the things that you can do to kind of help work through that is to do deep breathing. So that'll kind of help kind of change your biochemistry so that it will then start to believe those things that you actually want to happen. Like, so your biochemistry starts to reflect how you want to feel or like how you are feeling. Cause that's what's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. If I'm anxious, I have anxiety, my body starts to reflect, okay, like my physiology starts to reflect that feeling. Mm-hmm. So you force it first, mm-hmm. and you'll start to feel, it's just like you said, like yeah. whatever we say creates our reality. Like we know that how we perceive our situation plays a huge role in how we actually respond to it, which yeah. I think is so cool. And like you said, just really powerful that we we have a lot of control over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Our bodies are smart. Like our, and people don't often realize the connection between like our emotions and our body. So just because you stuff an emotion away, it doesn't mean that it goes away. And just be, and it doesn't mean that it's locked in your, in your mind somewhere. It gets stored in your body. Good example of this is I was working with, you should actually reach out to her. Um, she's my friend, Dr. Carrie. Um, she would be a good guest on the podcast. Okay. Um, she does kinesiology work and she was doing some stuff with me and she was working on my adrenals and <clears throat> she, she was able to release something that was stuck in my adrenals. It was something that happened a few years ago. I do I don't know what it was. I know maybe the person that was involved in the topic of conversation that's it. But there was something conversation that happened that I had internalized. I had must've felt something strongly about whatever was happening. I internalized that and it stayed in my adrenals and was wrecking havoc on my adrenals. But with the process that she did, it's NLP is what she did. I don't know if you've ever done any NLP work. Mm -hmm. Um, it released. So, and I've released a lot of emotions and energetic things through energetic work. So like our emotions that are stored in our body play, can play a big role in our health. Mm -hmm. You mentioned before the morning routine. 
Mm -hmm. Tell me what your morning routine looks like. Yeah. So my morning routine usually looks like lemon water. I got my mason jar here that I'll fill with lemon water and I will, it's, it's different usually because I don't really like the same things. So sometimes I'll go on a walk. Usually I will have my lemon water first. Um, I'll do like a meditation or I might work out or um, I'll do some journaling or some combination of those things. Um, and then I'll plan my day and I will have usually like a healthy smoothie or sometimes steel cut oats, things like that. That's usually what my morning routine looks like on most days. So no coffee. Sometimes coffee. So okay, I have fully against caffeine. Huh? I thought you were fully against caffeine. So I am with somebody who's experiencing chronic anxiety. I'm usually pretty against it. Um, because I was drinking high levels of caffeine when I was at that point. And by reducing and coming off of the caffeine, that is something that helped reduce my anxiety and it helps my clients as well. And they're usually pretty resistant at first, but then once they do it, they, the benefits that they see are so great that they have no desire to go back. Mm. It's kind of crazy. Um, so when I drink coffee, it's usually Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> I feel like I have heard of it because my brother is into all that. Yeah. Um, but I have not partaken. Yeah. So it doesn't taste like mushrooms. Okay. And the reason why I like it is because it has a small amount of caffeine. So an average cup of coffee, eight ounce cup, has about 100 milligrams of caffeine. Mm. and their coffee has 50 milligrams of caffeine and it also has mushrooms in it specifically to help stabilize your energy mm. so that you're not having that spike and that crash, that jittery feeling. And I noticed a difference. Like if I were to go get a Starbucks latte versus my mushroom coffee, there's a huge difference in my brain, huge difference in my energy levels when I do that. Maybe that's but, why I mushrooms so much. I love huh? I love mushrooms. I just never thought about putting them in my coffee. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so many different kinds and different benefits. So like the one that I have um, has lion's mane in it, which is really great for brain health and concentration and that type of stuff. So while we're on the topic, can you tell me more about the connection between nutrition and anxiety? Yeah. So basically... <laughs> It's everything <laughs> because, and oh, I've posted some controversial reels about this and it's just kind of funny. And I, I post, I post controversial reels like that to get people's attention. The thing that people want to think is that there's a direct correlation between what they eat and causing anxiety. So they might think that if they eat pizza long enough, like it's going to cause anxiety directly, but the body is, everything is connected. So if you're eating, let's say pizza with gluten and dairy, and you have those sensitivities, you're going to be destroying your gut. When you're destroying your gut, you're destroying your gut microbiome. When you're destroying your gut microbiome, you're bringing your body's ability to produce the neurotransmitters that your brain needs out of balance. So by that, you are creating that imbalance that can contribute to anxiety, say, or you're completely depleting yourself of nutrients that your body needs to function properly. So your adrenals aren't getting what they need to support your stress levels. So they tank. And then you have high levels of anxiety because your cortisol is not regulated and balanced the way it needs to be. Um, there's so many, there's so many different things. And what I like to focus on is each individual person. So I don't have a one size fits all plan. So usually when people come to see me, it's not just anxiety that they have. It's usually a lot of other health issues. So we focus on 
the right supplements and the right nutrition based off of their current health and where they're at. So if there's somebody who eats fast food every day and I'm like, okay, you need to start grocery shopping, eating organic, cooking, (laughs) like that's not, they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, So meeting people where they're at to, so that they can make those small changes that are going to have a lasting effect. So do you have any other specific questions about nutrition? I mean, because it's very, there's so many things like, right. Like it's, it's very, like you said, like it's very dependent on the person. Are there any things, are there any, I don't know, like patterns you see in, in people that you do see in terms of their nutrition that they, when they change them, they have, you know, great results or like, are there any things that like are very commonly seen um, or things that we just as a whole, like should change in our nutrition? So anything that's going to destroy their gut health. So if they're not producing enough acid in their stomach, if they're not able to digest their nutrients in their food, um, all of those things are going to affect their anxiety. Again, going back to the gut microbiome. So usually all my clients go on a probiotic because they're not on any probiotic. Um, we're getting their digestion back in order. One of the things that I see and have seen is eating a lot of sugar. Um, or eating. So by changing that, that usually helps to lower their stress and their anxiety. Um, and again, if you have blood sugar imbalances that can cause anxiety. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, like I said, there's not like a, usually a direct cause and effect when it comes to this stuff, other than I would say maybe caffeine. Um, or if you have if you if you're eating foods that you are sensitive to because there was, that there was something you posted about veganism and mm, yes yes and that's one of those controversial things that i post because it gets people talking so a lot of people when they go vegan they're not eating any fat and i say this from experience cuz exactly what i did um they're not eating any fat cuz i think that fat is bad Um, you need fat for your hormones and brain function. So when you're not getting those things, you're not getting your omega threes, which is a healthy fat that your brain and your hormones need. That was the case for me. Um, when I brought that back into balance, I was able, or my anxiety lessened that and other things. Um, they're usually lacking B vitamins. Um, they're usually eating a lot of gluten, a lot of soy, um, a lot of processed foods. So you think that because you're not eating meat and you're eating something that's quote unquote vegan, that it's healthy. And that's just not true. Um, if you were to look at the ingredients on something, usually a vegan product is going to be worse for you than the meat product. It's just filled with a bunch of crap. Um, so that's one of the big reasons. And Whether you're a vegan or whether you're eating the standard American diet, if you're not doing the vegan properly, or if you're doing the standard American diet, which is fast food, um, lots of corn, soy, all that type of stuff, sugar, um, white flour, that is going to negatively affect your health as well. So a lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to be vegan. I'm going to be vegetarian. Or I hear all the time, I'm going to be plant-based. Mm-hmm. That that makes me healthy. Like they think that label mm-hmm. when in fact it could be the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is we like to take like one way of eating and apply it to every single person mm-hmm. and what works for one person. Like I'm not against veganism. However, if you're experiencing high levels of anxiety and you're a vegan, that might be something to look into. Not saying that that is the main contributor to what you're doing, not saying that you don't, you can't be a vegan, but it's just to bring the awareness to the fact that, hey, maybe this is somehow contributing to the way that I'm feeling. Um, You know, a lot of people try keto and they're like, 
Mm. (laughs) And they're like eating bacon and this and that, and they're avoiding um, beans or I don't even know what exactly the keto like excludes, but it's like, I don't know if they have broccoli. I don't know. They're like excluding like major food groups. And to me, that's a problem. Anytime you exclude, I feel like if your diet has a label or if you're excluding a food group, like you might be doing the opposite of what you intended to do, but it's Mm -hmm. marketing has done a very good job in making these diet, you know, fads, these qualifier diets sound like they're, you have to do these to be healthy. Yeah. How's your nutrition? Well, I'm plant-based. Like that doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. You're not getting enough protein. Right. Just eating spinach all the time. Like that does not mean you are eating enough of the right things, but right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is what I did. I saw a couple documentaries and thought I knew everything. And And then podcast thought I knew everything. Yeah. And the truth is you just have to connect to reconnect to what, what foods are making your body feel a certain way and then make your, like make your choices based off of that. It's easier when you have a coach because there's a guidance and there's all the education with it. However, if you just start to pay attention to like keeping track of like what foods are making you feel a certain way and then, you know, avoiding like the processed foods and the fast food. Um, even, even when you're eating out at a restaurant, there was something that I read or listened to a while ago where it's like most restaurants, even the high scale ones, like in California, they're not using real olive oil in their dishes because it's too expensive. So they used processed crap oil. So anything that they're cooking in, it's like you're getting these processed oils that are going to affect your gut health in a negative way. Um, I know I can try to make the best choices available to me when I'm eating out, but it's not the same as I don't feel the same as when I'm cooking my own meals and from scratch. Like I know all the ingredients that are being put into my meal. It's completely yeah. different. I have a friend who like, no matter what she eats, typically when she goes out, like it could, could be the quote unquote healthiest thing, the healthiest thing will just feel like crap the next day. And I have like, I know so many restaurants that use canola oil or they yeah. just use so much sugar in mm-hmm. their food. And it's like, you'll get something that you think should just be very simply made. Mm-hmm. But the restaurant, and not every restaurant does this, you know, but like, we'll never know. Um, but like you said, like for most of the time, it's probably better to eat at home. I mean, there's, I know people that eat out for every single meal, Yeah, like every single meal. And so, like you said, those people, you're not going to tell them go fully organic, right. all your meals. like you have to make baby steps. It's just mm-hmm. health is individual. It's personalized. Right. Exactly. And that's probably one of my biggest things that I've had to overcome as a coach is meeting people where they're at, especially with nutrition, because I can see like, if you were to completely revamp this, you would feel a million times better. Just change your whole life. Right. But it's not easy. And when you think back, when I think back to my journey, like I didn't go from like eating like the way my parents ate to eating the way I do now. It was a process. It's been a process for 10 plus years now. So got to meet people where they're at so that they can make those lifelong changes and know that it's not another diet. I will say that I've had so many people like sigh relief when they hear about my nutritional program because they're not counting macros, calories, points. Uh, what's the other one? Containers. <clears throat> oh, that's one? I did not know that. Huh. Um, yeah. And they're like, no, you're just going to pay attention to like what your body wants and feed it what it needs. Hmm. So like it relieves a lot of that stress and overwhelm when they don't have to do that. What does it look like to work with you as a client? What's that process like? Yeah. So I will have the very first thing is we will have a 30 to 60 minute strategy call. It's a free call and it's really for us to get to know each other. So I will ask them a lot of questions about what's going on with their health, what they're looking to change, um, what their goals are. And 
a lot of other questions. We go very in depth. And then if they're interested, they can ask me some questions. I can give them what my strategy would be for us if we were to work together. And then if they want to hear about my services, I can share that with them at the end. If they decide to sign up, we'll sign up. And then they will fill out a pretty extensive health assessment form. So it's going to ask them questions about their current health, their past health, um, psychological assessment, spiritual assessment. And then we will have 12 weekly Zoom calls like this for an hour. And really what I'm helping them do is figure out what the root causes are to their anxiety and then supporting them on their journey to start to overcome those things one by one. Um, so that's going to be nutrition. It's going to be supplements. It's going to be trauma work, mindset stuff. So a lot of stuff that we talked about today, establishing routines, um, getting sleep in check. And my clients also have access to me in between sessions via Voxer. I'm not know if you're familiar with that, but it's like a, it's like a voice walkie talkie, which I love because it's outside of social media. And then I can send voice messages that are longer than a minute, um, which my clients really love when, you know, they're in a slump or they need some motivation. So that's, that's kind of what it looks like. Um, we do reevaluations because I'm a numbers person. So I like to be able to track and make sure that we're moving in the right direction and to see if we need to tweak anything along the way. And yeah, that's kind of, the process in a nutshell. How many people come to you and are surprised the relationship between nutrition and anxiety? Like how many people take a little bit to be convinced that they need to work on their nutrition? Um, most of them already are aware of that. Um, to some level, it's just putting it into practice in the right way for them. Like they don't know how they know they need to to address it, but they don't really know how. Yeah. Um, or they just don't have the motivation, like, especially with the caffeine, um, they don't know any other way or, you know, a lot of people come to me on supplements that are just total garbage. Um, so by that's usually what they're surprised by is the supplement part of it because they think that supplements are created equally and they're just not. Um, so they usually start to feel better once they get on the right supplements and high quality supplements. Um, but yeah, to some, to some degree they're aware, but it's, they're not usually as aware as they need to be, which is what they're hiring me for. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Some of the, the problems, the struggles and the feelings of people that call you and that want your help like what kind of things are people feeling when they so they're feeling overwhelmed they're feeling burnt out they're feeling um you know physically they're feeling unwell either there's been a lot of weight gain um they have digestive issues is a big one and they just want to feel happier and they're just tired of feeling like they're incapable of dealing with their stress. Um, usually their relationships are suffering and they want those better relationships with their spouse, with their kids, with their, you know, friends, things like that. They want to grow their businesses. So yeah, they're, they're dealing with a lot. Those are some of the, the common underlying themes that I see. What do you feel like is something that a lot of people that you're like, if people would just change this one thing or people would just, you know, add this, like what would help a lot of people? I know this is very general, like general advice. Yeah. And there is definitely no one thing, but I would, I will say one of the things that has had the biggest I've seen have the most dramatic effect is the caffeine. Mm. Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to say that, but I <laughs> yeah, um, literally reducing panic attacks, like reducing anxiety attacks, like from reducing their caffeine. Um, and part of that too, is that it helps you sleep better. And when you're sleeping better, you're, you're gonna have less anxiety. Oh, I mean, I know people that have coffee at three, three to 5 PM and mm -hmm. I'm like, do you not understand? And they're like, Oh, I just can't sleep. Like, you're, that's the point. 
Mm-hmm. Having coffee, yeah. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you, you know, like totaled the whole amount of coffee that most people drink and like showed it to them. They oh yeah, I'd do that every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because people don't people don't know how much they're drinking. So I will ask them how many, what, and then I will write down how many, about how many milligrams of caffeine that is. Yeesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is something that a lot of people don't know about anxiety? That, and actually this is something that a holistic psychiatrist posted and shared yesterday. Something that I've known, but sometimes it seems more powerful coming from a doctor is that the, the theory that anxiety and other um, psychological disorders stems from a brain chemical imbalance that has never been proven scientifically. Um, Most, most people will use that as their reasoning why and combat everything that I would say that can help them. Um, Those are not the people that I wanna work with anyway. However, that is a big misconception around anxiety. Now for me, going back to the gut health, if your body isn't producing the correct neurotransmitters that you need to function optimally, that can, potentially create that brain chemical imbalance. But the reason why you have anxiety isn't just because you're born with a brain chemical imbalance that hasn't been proven scientifically. Yeah. It's like, yes, there may be a chemical imbalance, but also there are things that we can do to help that. Right. Not Mm -hmm. that you just, you know, have to always have this. I think the, the feeling and like just knowing that you don't have to live this way or like this doesn't have to define you mm-hmm. is super empowering and very mm-hmm. helpful if, mm-hmm. if people fully believe it and understand it. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be this way forever. Yeah. And another big thing is um, the genetics. So, and we've known this for a little while now, but our genes are not our destiny. Like there's this thing called epigenetics where we know that our things in our life and our lifestyle. So um, air quality, um, water quality, food, nutrition, um, sleep, stress, all those things affect our genes in a positive or negative way. Mm. So just because you have a gene for something doesn't mean that it needs to be expressed. Mm. So it can be turned on or off based off of some of these things. Yeah. I always thought that was so cool. Like, learning about that stuff in school, how like the decisions you make today, like literally become your genes, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Thoughts. Yeah. Thoughts affects our genes. Yeah. Yeah. Like your thoughts, your actions, your exercise, like what you're eating, like you become what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Scary. It is. However, for me, it's scarier the thought of I'm just born with these things and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Um, cause that's not necessarily true. Yeah. And well, and then you feel like you don't have control mm-hmm. and then that's probably a lot of the reason that people feel anxiety is feeling like they don't have control or that they need control. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. One more question. So I yeah. have someone who just started experiencing anxiety. She's pretty young. And when she talked to like, her therapist at school, The problem was that they couldn't find a quote unquote reason for anxiety, her anxiety. And that was like the thing that was stressing her out the most was that they couldn't find a reason for it. But in my head, I'm like, isn't that the whole point? Mm. Like you might not have a reason for it. And Mm -hmm. then searching for a reason and not finding one is only increasing it. Yeah. Um, it sounds like they're, they're searching for like a trauma and because they can't find a trauma that would causing the anxiety, they're like, well, we don't know. Um, like, let's continue to, to look for a reason. And then she feels bad about herself that there's no, you know, reason she needs to be having. It's like, it's like when you tell, if you were to tell someone that pain was all in their head. And it's like mm. the way that you can explain pain can be very, like, it just should be delicate because 
it's not like you're saying, oh, you're making your pain up. Like just because you have chronic pain, we might know that there's no inherent tissue damage threat, let's say. Mm -hmm. Let's say it was years ago. But we still know that your nervous system is perceiving a threat. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're making it up. Like it doesn't mean that you're wrong. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. there's no reason for your pain. Like we know the reasons for your pain. Mm -hmm. Telling this this person that why are you anxious? There's no reason for you to be anxious. And now she's anxious because she can't find a reason. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. I know. Or like, I I know a lot of people that label themselves with, well, I just have anxiety or like, well, I I have this, I have that, I have this. And it's like, that's their identity now. Mm. What advice would you give those people? I would keep, so it's kind of hard. Because the, it sounds like the therapist is just trying to find, like I said, the trauma part of it. And they can't find one. So it could be something else, like one of those other root causes. Mm-hmm. So I would have them explore that. But also not give so much like meaning to it. Because now your brain is then learning to continue that cycle and make it worse. So I would probably help them try to manage it, give them good techniques to help work through it. And if it was just something random, then you're helping your brain to kind of flip the switch. So it's not just on that automatic um, anxiety thought process for seemingly no reason, if that makes sense. So more background, which will make this make even more sense. She goes to boarding school. She's very stressed. She has like six to seven classes, a job, extracurriculars. And there's, they can't find a reason why she's anxious. I know. I'm like, are you serious? Like the school therapist can't find a reason. And I'm like, this is the reason. Like, yeah, she's overwhelmed and probably her adrenals are burnt out already. You're just doing so much. And she said to me, she was like, I'm so burnt out. And then her next sentence was, I can't find a reason. I'm like, that's the reason. Yeah. 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 And with coaching, like I, so with coaching, I don't tell people what to do as much as possible. (laughs) Um, what I try to do is ask questions to help my clients become aware of what's going on. Um, and give them like the education. And so I, so I might say, well, you know, when we're putting too much on our plate and we're feeling overwhelmed and we're doing that for too long, we have these things called adrenals and they're our energy powerhouse of the body. And when we're overworking them, they can become to the point where they're just not working like they should be. And that brings our body out of balance and can cause increases in stress, the decrease in the ability to handle stress, and it's going to cause, can cause more anxiety. They might be like, oh, okay. Yeah. So some things that work is, you know, kind of reducing your load. How would you feel about reducing Mm -hmm. your plate? And part of the requirements to work with me is that you're open to these new ideas Mm -hmm. and things. So I feel like, okay, yeah. Okay. What do you want to, what do you want to decrease? What's, what's something that you can get rid of that you can remove from your plate. That's not a necessity that you don't need to do. They decide what it is, help support them to get rid of that. So that's kind of like how the process might work in a situation like that. Um, I would also honestly probably give her or educate her on certain adrenal supplements that can help support her adrenals. Um, Also magnesium because magnesium is a nutrient that is responsible for over 300 reactions in the body. When we are stressed, we use up more of it. And when we don't have enough magnesium, we are unable to handle stress as well as if we had adequate amounts of it. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. So my clients and even people, that's one of the things that when I share it on um, social, Mm -hmm. 
people start to implement it and they're like, oh my gosh, like my anxiety has gotten better. I'm sleeping better because just from adding in magnesium. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I don't know how I got on that subject, but or that, that long topic, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh yeah. The supplements to help support the adrenals along the way. And again, that would be something that when I know more about what's going on, the symptoms and all that, I would be able to help more, but yeah, I feel like most, not, I don't even want to say most, but a lot of treatment is like, if my car broke down and I went to a mechanic and they said, well, there's nothing on your windshield. So I don't know why it's breaking down. Mm. Then they don't look inside and like, look at all of these, like you said, like all of these reactions, how food is our fuel and our medicine and all of these different things that need to mm-hmm. work. I think that's why it can be pretty overwhelming for people and why it might be easier for people to take medication or to do this, not do that. Um, because it's just like, if you get under the surface, you realize that you might need to transform your whole life. Like you might need to change a lot of things Mm -hmm. and that might be what's best for you in the long run, but it can be overwhelming. And so I think having someone like you, like having a coach, like having mm-hmm. so much time spent one-on-one yeah, is huge for people to really break down. Like you don't have to do all of this right, right now, today. Right. Like meeting people where they're at and helping people understand, like it's very slow and steady and it doesn't just end, you know, after 12 weeks, I'm sure mm-hmm. it's yeah. lifelong. It takes years. Yeah. And you know, some people choose to re-enroll with me as well because I want that continued support. Yeah. Um, there was something else that I wanted to say, but now I forget. Uh, oh no. It's okay. like, it was good. Um, how can, yeah, I don't remember. how can our followers, our listeners find you in your practice? Yeah. So, um, I would definitely follow me on Instagram because I post a lot of cool reels and, <laughs> and they're valuable and you can, it's stephanie.nelson.ctnc. Or if you were to search for anxiety freedom coach, I think I'm the only one that'll pop up. Nice. Um, I need to trademark that. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then you can also find me on my website at stephanienelsonctnc.com. Awesome. And I have a weekly newsletter that you can sign up for there. So um, I try, I say weekly, sometimes I don't get it out um, because, you know, that's life and I'm okay with it. So I'll post or I'll share, you know, different tips, products, things that I love in there. Um, Some things and trainings that I won't share on Instagram is kind of like my private VIP community, but I do share a lot of stuff on Instagram. Um, And yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Everyone, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. And I love doing this because I could just sit and, you know, talk forever. So about this type of stuff. Anxiety forever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram, find us at healthy Charleston Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.